Welcome back to Call and Shots. Seth Part now, uh, joined today by my uh, fellow uh, sports business classroom uh, professor, teacher, instructor. What do we call ourselves? Uh, and and uh, Bleacher Reports, uh, Eric Pincus. Eric, thanks for coming on again. Of course, happy to do it. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I, so I had Jake Fisher on earlier this week, and he was like, "Yeah, teams are talking, but there's nothing really happening yet, and I don't know what's going on." Because that's that's kind of fair. Um, I'm, I'm paraphrasing. Jake said many more things sure. than that. Um, I kind of wanted to talk to you more about a general lay of the land. We are, you know, we communicate in multiple different ways. Eric has a has a Discord server where we we talk about all kinds of things. And if there's one, I don't know, meta point about the season from kind of what you've been sharing there, it seems like there's a lot of really unhappy orgs right now. Is that a fair characterization of, of kind of what you're hearing? Um, I'd say that there's some level of discontent in, in a variety of situations. I don't know if it's like widespread, like, you know, the Celtics had a certain amount of discord, but that was around a coach in the situation and they seem fine, you know, but obviously the Nets had a, really horrible situation with you know the Kyrie stuff and now they've just won 12 in a row so they're fine so right. you know winning sort of glosses over fundamental issues but then there's a whole bunch of teams that are not winning at the level that they expected so that's where we start to get into that discord and then you, you know we had some pretty significant discord with what was going on with uh, you know major investigation into the Suns and now the team's being sold so um, everything's kind of being solved and uh, new problems are being created uh, daily. You know, it's just a, it's an eb- the ebb and flow of the NBA itself. Maybe it's possible I'm over-indexing on, on the local team. I live in Milwaukee and, and the Bucks are tied for second in, in the, the East. But I mean, if ever there was a thing, if ever there was a win that was the, whatever the victory equivalent of a, of a, of a moral victory loss is, uh, the Bucks win last night against the Raptors was that. I mean, you blow a was a fourteen point lead in the last minute fifty and end up having to win in overtime. Um, but it seems like there's you know there's kind of rumblings of not awesome vibes. Have you heard anything along those lines? Um, with the Bucks, well, um, there's always been sort of you know like a mild shakiness that's been glossed over by winning. You know what I mean? Where you know, there's always a certain level of political battling for say and power and, you know, that sort of thing. You know, we certainly had, you know, all the wild stuff with Jason Kidd and, and all that, but that's ancient history now. Um, but, you know, I, I think, you know, they're, they're still, what, the second best team in the league. They've had a few losses that kind of stand out, like they got trashed by the Grizzlies by like, you know, 50 points or something like that. Um, but it, as far as like, when I talk to other organizations, I don't think they're, I guess the right word is, you know, the gentle word is they're not crapping on the bucks <laughs> like they are on other sure. teams. You know what I mean? Like people look at um, certainly teams like the Bulls who are sort of potentially, you know, boxed into who they are and probably the, the, the general manager or the executive who put it together probably can't admit that it's a dead end and make the right basketball move, which is like just say, okay, didn't work. But you, you say that, and that means, like, basically everything that you've done since you took the job didn't work, so you're basically asking to be fired. So uh, other teams will crap on the Bulls because of that. <laughs> you know what I mean? Sure. Um, but I think – I don't think the Bucks are high up on that list. Um, I guess there's just been – again, there's been hints at it. Um, 
like I, I think there's been definitely some times where like Giannis and Nicomo has been has had to carry a gargantuan load this year and there's he's had some some like visible and understandable frustration and it's and you just you you do wonder um you know a team where that has had a stable core for as long as they've had I mean we've we've both watched the NBA for long enough that these things kind of have a lifespan and just just and, and so that's more of a question than a statement is right if if that's not something that's that's like out there it's more just you know we're not playing as well i'm having to do too much i'm frustrated yeah. which is which is things that that you know every team goes through i don't look at the bucks as one of the more unstable teams right now sure. like they're pretty much in the boat where it's like we have a championship core we didn't repeat we wanted to get better but like middleton coming off injury is not the same guy yeah um you know, I think that there's you know, there's been plenty of rumors and rumblings uh, that they're one of the teams trying to get Jay Crowder um, to sort of bolster their defense and whatnot. Uh, but I think they've got enough of a, of, like, there are two teams. If you go back to, uh, three, four weeks ago, there were two teams in the East, the yeah. Celtics and the Bucks, and we could argue and debate whether the Cavs belonged in that argument. Certainly viable if a Cavs fan or someone else says it's a three-team race. Now we have to at least account for the Nets, who have you know clearly righted their situation for now. And we probably should at least discuss the Sixers as yep. one of those teams. I personally am skeptical in the playoffs that they'll execute because they seem to hit a wall every time I could we could debate those walls I have strong feelings on what the walls are um and then <laughs> after that it's everybody else and like yeah the Raptors who are if they don't make some changes you know because maybe they accept that they're not as good as they used to be but they still kind of have that championship sort of ethos that maybe in the right situation they get healthy maybe add one piece or two uh nothing outrageous like a, a medium piece that they could do something same with Miami like they don't have enough offense they tend to struggle they're one, you know, one of the best defenses one of the worst offenses maybe they could make a rumble but it doesn't feel like it feels like it's a five-team race of which I don't have ultimate confidence necessarily in at least two of those teams the Nets and the Sixers and so the Bucks being in that I feel pretty good about the Bucks' sure. chances to get to the ECF and if you get there so if there are issues like with Giannis if there are political issues behind the scenes and they get to the finals and win, <laughs> right. you know, all those problems go away. If they go yeah. to the finals and lose, it still might be, you know, I don't know. Sometimes that can tear apart a team and sometimes it could be like, okay, we're still, you know, sometimes it, could, it could, like the Celtics, it lifted them up. They didn't win. They're like, okay, let's go get it. That happens. But sometimes you win, you get back and you don't, and then you lose. Sometimes that means it's like the death knell, kind of like when the Lakers lost to Detroit with Shaq and Kobe, it was like, they're like, okay, we're, we're done. We're, pack it all up. And it's like the divorce happened. Yeah, no, it's, it's the kids are away to college and, and, and it's, 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 I guess it's time, like, right. It, it, it's time to, to sleep in separate bedrooms. Exactly. Um, so, I mean, they, some of the frustration is, is as much about like Cleveland not falling away and Brooklyn and, Philly stepping up. So instead it's like, Hey, we've got a, we've got a little bit of a, of a free pass to the Eastern conference finals. It's like, well, shit, we've got to win maybe two, three series now. Right. And that's it. That's, that's sort of, I, I can see how that sort of raises the temperature. Um, so, I mean, do, if we're talking about like orgs that other teams crap on, I mean, is, do we go straight to the Lakers or, or who else should we 
I mean, should we, you know, hit on that that's a team that's a group that is in a little bit of turmoil? Uh, I mean, the, to me, 30 teams are interesting. They're all going in a different way. Yeah. And we're about a month from the from the trade deadline. So it's it's kind of like, to me, the conversation of like what's happening in the NBA a month from the deadline, the conversation is you have a lot of teams that want to win and improve. And you have very few teams who are selling pieces that are willing to accept not winning, right? Houston is pretty well committed to not winning, but development. San Antonio is pretty well committed to the same. The Detroit Pistons, pretty well committed, more or less the same. The Hornets, not so committed, just naturally bad. (laughs) (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, I don't know that they're a seller. They may not be a seller in their situation. Um, Mitch Kupchak is not like a tanker. Miles Bridges had his thing. Like, they, there's an argument to be made, probably a faulty one, that they have all the pieces they need. You add Bridges back and a couple upgrades, and they're next year, they're, you know, right back at the play in and probably not making the playoffs. But that's a different story. Um, but, like, the Thunder are, are, like, if you look in the loss column in each conference from, like, six through almost, like, 13. <laughs> It's not a, a, a wide disparity. Like, for instance, the Clippers are sixth place in the West with 18 losses. And the Thunder are 13th with 22. There are only four more losses. Now, do they catch the Clippers? Probably not. But that's not the question. The question is, is they are certainly within range of catching the Jazz, who are only – they're at 21 losses, the Thunder at 22. They have a real shot of getting to 10. And for a team like that to make the play-in, you know, that means a lot. Like, yeah, sure, you could argue they should just – Fold it up, sit Shea Gilgis Alexander, and and uh, you know go after Weminyama. Sure, but I don't you know I don't think they're willing to do that. Maybe they will be. I don't know. Same with the Magic, where they're they've had injuries. Uh, you know, like create everyone. They've never been healthy. They're finally getting close to healthy, and there are only three losses behind the Bulls, and the Bulls are not playing well. Although yes, fine, they've won six of the last four, so whatever, six of the last ten rather. Um, but you know. Again, like you look at the sixth team, it's the Knicks with 18 losses. The Magic are at 24. So they're six back. They're not going to catch the Knicks, but, you know, the Raptors, same thing. Like, well, the they Raptors might catch the Knicks, but not that spot. Yeah. It's probably the better way to put it. Cause right. But the, I, the, yeah. they, they have a shot to make the playoffs, is yeah. the heart of it. The play in tournament, the overarching theme is the play in tournament has chilled the trade market. We had zero, last year, we had zero trades in December, November, October after the season started. This year, zero trades, October, November, December. Last year, we had five trades in January, of which four were money deals, which are basically small deals that don't impact the basketball, but save. Uh, we had one today, which yeah. is the first one of the year, which is Noah Vonley to the Spurs, which is entirely a way of this. The Celtics open a roster spot they probably won't use, but then they save some luxury tax. Uh, save you know, five, seven million. I haven't run the numbers yet, but they save a decent chunk of money. And so we'll see a few of those deals, but it's not until the deadline. We need kind of a clarity of decision. We need another two, three weeks for the Raptors to say, okay, are we bad or are we just slumping for reasons that we can fix? And if they suddenly go on like a nice little streak, they're right back up and maybe even at like challenging the Knicks potentially for that six. Whereas like if the Wizards just suddenly 
dive bomb, then maybe they start to look at, okay, maybe Kuzma's not going to stick around. Maybe we'll make a move. Uh, you look at similarly in the West, like, I don't even know who the sellers would be in the West. You know, like there, there just aren't many sellers because everybody's looking, the West is so wide open. There's no bucks and Celtics in the West. So that's kind of my take on, on the, I guess the temperature of, of where we are a month from the deadline. Is there any team that that is that that you could see saying, you know what, they could, they they take this lay of the land and see this chilled temperature and says, you know what, if we go first, we can we can do the best thing here. Like I'm just gonna pick a team because they've got they've got some interesting, you know, like in like you, you know this. We often talk about you can't have enough wings, uh, or you can't have too many wings. Indiana might have too many wings. So is there, like, could they, you know, get some advantages by, by you know what, um, Aaron Neesmith's available, or, or Chris Duarte's available, or, you know, obviously Buddy Heald has been permanently available since he, since he got there, but, um, so those are, or is it just everyone so enamored of that, well, if we get the 10 seed, we got a chip in a chair. So, like, the Pacers, every team has its own personality, right? And it's some of it's reflected on their GM or their whatever their top basketball decision, you know, decision maker is. It's some of it's on ownership. Some of it, uh, like, in, in Indiana is well known that the ownership is, like, you have one job. It's make the playoffs every year. Don't tank. Don't spend luxury tax. Here's your budget. You know, spend up to the tax line. I expect, you know, a competitive product every year and injuries happen last year. They got hurt enough that, you know, they were a bad team. Uh, it happens. So I don't look at them as a team that is like, okay, let's make a sell to, you can argue they should sell to thin out a position they're overstocked. In. That's very viable, but it would be a basketball move that increases their viability. In my opinion, like they're way ahead of where they expected to be. They're right now seventh in the, in the East. They love what they're doing with Tyrese Halliburton. They're looking at potentially extending Miles Turner instead of trading him, which was long rumored. So I do think, yes, in in the right scenario, everybody's willing to you know make a move. It's just like Detroit for the right situation would move Bogdanovich because they don't necessarily need him, but he's also under contract next year, so they can afford to wait. There's no rush. So if they get a real opportunity, Pacers similarly. They don't have to do anything. So, like the general rule of thumb, most teams don't make moves until they have to make a move. And that's that can be a flaw and a fault of maybe teams. Like, And you kind of hinted at it like maybe they could be the first team to step up. And, th- yeah, there will be one team probably a week before the trade deadline that sort of says, all right, you know what, I'm going – we're going to make a decision. We're going to do this. We're going to make that the best decision we can a week out so that it can position us in the deadline to make a second move. So we're going to go a week early. And so, yeah, there's usually like last year we had five trades in in uh, in January and probably one was later in the month. I think the reddish one was like a basketball one. So, you know, it depends on if you think reddish is good at basketball. <laughs> That's a different story. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I think the Pacers, it, I think the te- there's like fulcrum teams. And so, like, the Bulls, because of what we discussed, like, I think if they accept that they've made the wrong decisions, 
that's a bad that, that's not a thing I think the that uh, our tourists can really you know survive under, right whereas Maasai in Toronto has a different kind of cachet and position they want a title they've kept it together they got Scotty Barnes as rookie of the year like if they were to say okay you know what it's time to really transition and it's not that we yeah we could maybe get one more let's say they traded Gary Trent and got one more piece that was like the exact right piece that just suddenly pushes them are they going to be good enough to beat Milwaukee Brooklyn Boston whatever maybe and I could see them wanting to do that I could see them absolutely trying but I could also see Masai saying, you know what? We're not going to bring back Fred Van Vliet. We're not going to bring back Trent. OG's got one more year after this, and Pascal's got one more year after this. We've got to make a decision on whether or not this is who we are long term. So that's where those decisions start to – like you have to make a decision on Fred more or less by the deadline with your intent. You, if you intend to keep him, then you wait. And if it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. But if you don't intend to keep him, then – this is really your only time. Now you could sign and trade him the next summer in July, but or you can opt in and you could. Like, there are pathways, but they, that involves the player participation, and you can't guarantee that you're going to get that. You know what I mean? So there's, I think the Raptors are in just this sort of really interesting fulcrum position where the decision maker has the kind of support where they can make that move, where it sets them back and they become potentially much worse short term i think that's different than chicago where i don't think they can survive that got it i so the it seems like the flip side of the, the everyone being bunched up is hey we we okay there how many like real difference makers there are that are kind of gettable i mean we start talking about uh you know kuzma uh, show favorite John Collins. Don't uh, don't don't think I was going to go a trade focused show without mentioning him. I mean, but but you know, uh, Kuzma, John Collins, uh, you know Crowder to the extent we think he is still a, a difference making piece. Uh, healed maybe or or, or Bogdanovich, yeah, Bogdanovich. Yeah, I mean that that we could probably think of a couple. Burks. Of there's a few. Yeah. You know, Bounce Burks. Uh, Gary Gary Trent would be would be another. I think would it be another OG certainly. Anyway. It seemed like, okay, well, we could wait to the deadline or we could have that guy for six weeks. And, you know, does that, does that get us, you know, two extra wins to, to, to have that, to have, to have Kyle Kuzma filling a hole? You know, you're, you know, you're. It's the, it's the, um, if you're selling, like, if you want to get, say, Gary Trent right now, the offer that you make to the Raptors has to be enough, richer enough, that it's not worth them waiting to see, is there something better at the deadline? So you kind of have to pay more to get him now, which is really we're five weeks already. You know, not even like it's four weeks and four days from the deadline. So if you want him today, you got to make that move with more, more ammunition you 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 know otherwise the raptors are, you know like again like he's someone who can opt out but if we talk about bogdanovich who has another year now it's like well we're we're just not going to do anything unless you really wow us right now so like trent yeah maybe it's easier to get him out of toronto if you make a substantial offer 
it would probably have to be 10% more now than it would be by waiting, but it also could be higher if you wait. If there's a bidding war, you don't know. You know, like the, the Raptors would be holding out for better offers. Maybe it comes, and now your offer's not good enough. Similar to the Knicks thought they were the only team bidding on Donovan Mitchell, and then they were not. <laughs> so it's like it's a it's a mystery. We don't know who's going to be available, who's going to be offering what. You know, for instance, the Lakers are today on pins and needles waiting to find out if every day that AD does another step of his recovery that he doesn't have a setback because a setback probably means surgery and the year. It's not like you have a sprained ankle, it's still swelling. You're going to probably be out another week. That's not what they're at. They're at like if his setback happens, he has pain in the foot or swelling in the foot he's done. And if he's done, they're probably done. So that's a, you know, that's a pretty big shadow over the market. If the Lakers are one of the clear buyers and you're Toronto, for instance, and if you think you can get a first from the Lakers or maybe two, maybe take Westbrook or maybe not Westbrook, but take Beverly and none and a first, you know, maybe that's available to you if you wait a week or two or three weeks until they, you know, or to the deadline, maybe you can't make that move now because you just don't have enough information. I think that's really the heart of it is that it's the unknown. Whereas like Bogdanovich, it's even worse because if you don't pony up for what they want, they'll just wait until the summer. There's no reason to trade him right now. If the offer isn't right, you could sure. trade him in July or you could trade him next deadline or he's having his two more years now because they extended him. So, they have a long enough clock where it's like he's a good enough player on a good enough contract who adds an element they need that there's just no rush. So we're kind of in this, you know, to, to kind of paraphrase what you said about Jake Fisher, who my former Bleacher Report colleague, um, is that, yeah, like there's there's not certainty because there's not enough sellers. There's only one or two. Like the, the Pistons may be able to take advantage of the fact that there are more buyers than sellers and ratchet up the price for Bogdanovich, certainly. But they also have that added leverage of, eh, we don't have to do anything if we don't want to. I'm just, I'm, I, I understand it. We both observed the NBA long enough to know that this is what happens and that like the FOMO of maybe getting a better deal later is, is paralytic to everybody. But I think that, that last year's deadline is, is I think somewhat instructive in that, there was a number. Oh well, it's a it's a it's a seller's market. But then and then but then you hear about like the exorbitant like amounts that that teams were asking for for you know even borderline playoff rotation players. And then all these deals didn't get done. And then all there's all these guys who could have been useful players just play out their contract. And mm-hmm. what okay, what'd that do for you? You 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 uh, you, you held out for the best deal and then didn't take the best deal. Right. I, I'm just. I'll what? I'll add to that that two years ago, we had a lot of signing trades in the summer. So maybe there was like, if we don't make a deal, we could always sign and trade because you know now the league's doing signing trades again. So like Lonzo, he signed and trade and uh, Lowry, and probably there were five or six or seven, which was well, like they care about tampering now though. So I mean, signing right, more- <laughs> right, right, sure, sure, but well, not really because they yeah. only take away know, a second round pick. Um, but like I'm being facetious, but yeah, um, like there. I feel like there's too much recency bias on, and that kind of plays into your question too, where you say like, yeah, teams probably do look at what happened at last deadline with a recency bias and say, well, 
this happened last year, so let's not let that happen again. Last year's motivation was probably on the recency bias of, like, if we don't make a move, we can always sign and trade the guy. And then this last year, it was only Colin Sexton. He's the only one who signed and traded. So now they're like, oh, well, sign and trades aren't likely. So, and, and last year, you know, you could add those two elements together and say, like, oh, sign and trades aren't going to happen. And last year, this is that and X, Y, Z happened. So maybe we should be more motivated a few days earlier or a week or a month earlier. And yet here we are. You know, I mean, but we had a trade today, but it, it's the, it, we're, we're following the same pattern that we followed last year. It may not and be the exact. year before and the year before. And the well, year. you know, yeah. it was a little, the year before is, is like we had the COVID year. Yeah, right, that's right. That's right. And we had, you know, what we had, we had the year that was full in the, um, I'm trying to remember, but whatever it is, we're a little bit off in, in comparison year to year. So like I can, I feel like uh, it's only a, a fair comparison compared this year to last year because we go back further and we get into weirdness based on, you know, odds, you know, some teams didn't go to the bubble. Uh, there were different rules. There was, you know, all kinds of, we had, you know, all kinds there wasn't of, the play in. Right, right. The plane yeah. didn't exist in that. that yeah. So there's really only, we have, you know, I, you're more of a data scientist than I am by a, a, a large significant uh, degree. And, one data set isn't enough, you right. know what I mean? And so that's all we have. And then, but you also have to understand that like the people making these decisions are probably not looking at data sets. They're just like knee jerk making emotional decisions that are being caged as basketball decisions, <laughs> but are often like, you know, very political, difficult group decisions. Uh, you know, some organizations are dictatorships in a good way where it's like one person making a decision that could also be bad if the person doesn't know what they're doing. And some are by committee, which, you know, committees can prevent somebody who's really bad from making a unitary, you know, uni unilateral terrible decision, but a committee can also bog things down in debate and lead to paralysis. So you have that 30 different degrees of that in 30 different organizations, all with different motivations and situations and now you had the plane where everybody has a chance to make the playoffs. And like, not every team, like the Bucks right now are all about like, yeah, we got to win a title. The Celtics, we got to win a title. That's just who they are. The, this, the Bucks weren't that until they won a title. Now they're like, okay, we're rightfully so they're greedy to do it again. And they should be right. The I, Celtic, I, go ahead. I, I would say, I would say that, that, that it, that kind of flipped. And if this was the last year I was there, was like, we started the eighteen nineteen seasons like, hey, we're going to be pretty good this year, I think. And then we were got to the All Star break. It's like, oh, we're really good. And then all of a sudden, we're starting to think, okay, no, we're not. You know, we're not looking at moves to make us better. We're looking at moves to to put us over the top. And right. that was, you know, we that was we, we traded for for Miritich, and that it didn't didn't work out as 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 well as we hoped it would. But that was, I mean, that was that 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 was the type of move. And then we were sitting in the sitting in the trade room feeling good about that and then the Raptors traded for Marcus Gasol and we were feeling less good about the <laughs> about the right. deadline um which was was which was probably prescient but anyway um so yeah i guess it, it's it's the the risk aversion is the is the is the bit that that's sort of frustrated to me it's like okay we want to go let's let, like there's an opportunity here but i don't want to i want to go for an opportunity but not actually spend any money for it and it's wanting something for nothing just like you know fantasy gms on twitter right all your bad players all your for their good players well you, there's a cycle to it like yeah. 
you know, the, the trade cycle in season, we're not talking about off season. We're talking about, uh, right at, you know, the season happened. Everyone got to the 15 player max or whatever. And now the season started. Typically teams want to know who they are because like the jazz on paper, people are like, Oh yeah, they're tanking. And then this ends up, they're good. So, um, you know, the Lakers thought they were good and then very quickly found out they were not. Um, are you five and 15 after 20 games? Are you 15 and five? Are you 10 and 10? And it, there's not much variation on that. You know what I mean? With, the, right. with 20 games, like, okay, we're 17 and three, or we're like 12 and eight. Like it gives you a sense of like, okay, we're about a 500 team. We're a playoff team or we're a lottery team. And so by the time you get to 20 games, you're almost right around December ish. So then it's like, okay, uh, you have the G league showcase, uh, which is you have the December 15th date where players who are signed over the summer, they can't be traded. So usually it's like it's hard to negotiate deals for players that can't be traded because it's not like, okay, yeah, we have a deal. We just got to wait two weeks. Well, in two weeks, like two weeks is an eternity. It's not going to, you know, it it can happen and it does, but it's rare. So I don't want to say like a deal was never agreed to two weeks out. Yeah, sure. There might be like this Vonley deal could have been agreed to two weeks ago. Absolutely. You know what I mean? Like the, we'll 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 do this and we'll do it. You know, we'll we'll trigger it when we're ready. Fine, but by and large, deals don't happen until after December fifteenth. But then you have the showcase, which started this year, I think, around the nineteenth or twentieth, around the early December, and so or mid December. And so you you have everybody go there with the teams, and they talk to other teams, and that's really where you're like, okay, what's the lay of the land? So you get the lay of the land. So. And, and everybody at this point is doing what you suggested. Like they're asking Twitter like nonsense trades. They're overvaluing who they have. They're overvaluing their picks. They're overvaluing everything. You know, you suck. You need to fold up tent and trade me all your good players. And let's like saying that to like Chicago's like um, it, it may be true, but we're, we're not going to do anything about it. <laughs> I can't survive that. So everybody's unreasonable in December. But they start to have conversations, but you get a sense. So now we get to January, which is where we are now, and we start to get to like real conversations about like, okay, let's get past the unreasonable first ask. And you say, okay, like this this team and I, we're never gonna we're never cr- gonna cross that bridge. So you know, you start to narrow down what is real. But we have this issue now of the plan that's kind of well, it's January fifth, and we don't know who the sellers are. Usually, we know more. You know, I know that Crowder's available. I know we can, we've named a lot of the people, but like, <clears throat> there's just not a lot available. This is around the time that you would normally historically start to get deals done. And maybe we didn't have some deals done in, around after the showcase, around the showcase, around Christmas. There used to be like, you know, one or two trades around Christmas. We don't have that right now because of the plan. And we're not getting that. So you're, it's like the fear of mo- missing out. I think this is around the prime time to start to get trades done. And it was always, it, things always kind of waited to the deadline, but now I think it's more so because of the plan. So you're going to have like reasonable-ish offers now, but not quite enough. Because I guess the problem is this, is like, if from your point of view, you want a team to be sure of who they are and what they're trying to do and to make a reasonable offer. But if you're making that and you are everything that you want them to be, but you're making it to another team that is not that, <laughs> right? you know what I mean? Now they're the waffling team or... Maybe they're not the waffling team, but they they don't want to have a trade where it's just one team and one team. They want to have multiple bidders if they can raise the price. So maybe the team that, you know, they have two teams interested in, let's say, Bogdanovich, or in this case, probably three or four. 
how many of those three or four are like committed? Well, the Lakers aren't. They shouldn't be because we don't know what's going to happen with AD. So it's not a, you know, a, that's to me, that's not, I mean, we could talk about the Lakers, you know, struggles and decision making, <laughs> but it's a reasonable thing to say that they shouldn't act until they know AD's fate. That's fair. Right. So if they're one of the pieces, then like, well, I want what the Lakers have. I'm not going to take what the Suns are offering. Or the Mavericks, right? Let's say the Mavericks are offering Bertans <laughs> and, and the 27th, 2027th pick, okay, for Bogdanovich. So they, they take on a contract that they don't want, but they get a first from the Mavericks down the road. And by the way, that first is after Luca's contract is over. So it's a potentially good deal, pick. Um, but maybe they want the Lakers first instead and not and to take uh, Nunn and Beverly, for instance, who are expiring contracts. That's a better deal potentially because it's a first post-LeBron and AD versus a first post-Luca. You could debate what's better. Maybe the protections would be the answer. These are the kind of decisions Detroit would have to weigh if they were, you know, they would want to pit, pit the Mavericks versus the Lakers, if those were the two suitors, not to mention other teams that might be after them. If the but Lakers they can't, can't even they can't even have that, that that talk with the Lakers yet because if the Lakers are smart, I'll just let that hang out there. Uh, <laughs> they, they, they're not they're they're not even they're not showing their cards until they have a little more certainty on what they're like. If I was them, I certainly would not be like actually making any sort of conditional. Like I don't want to make a condi- an offer that's conditional on AD being right that then they can shop to try to get a better deal from, from somebody else. And then if I really want the player, now I have to not just beat my own first offer, but I have to beat this other team's offer as right, well. Right. I mean, so I've kind of screwed myself twice. Yeah, yeah. You, you know, you're hitting right on it. And there are a yeah. lot of theories, and there's people who teach negotiation skills. I would like to say, like, my negotiation skills I learned from my mother, who in business is, you know, basically completely unreasonable and has had a lot of success <laughs> in her life by being so. Um, and I learned a lot of strategy. She taught me how to play poker when I was young. And she's a very strategic person when it comes to this sort of thing. And I like to think I'm, you know, I'm, I'm at least good enough to do this where I've been able to have a career off of doing whatever the heck it is I do. Um, but not everyone is you know, great at negotiation. But one of the tenants is like, don't make the first offer. Like, just sit there and wait. And the other, the other person's offer may come in higher than what you're you know, position, if your starting offer is A and they're, you shut up and don't say anything and they give you A plus, you know, whatever, whatever multiplier, if A plus five, you got five more, you know, than you expected. So right. you just shut up and, and wait. So the other thing is, is once you make an offer, you're sort of cycling into a deal. Now that's not always the case and people can walk away, but like yesterday's make, price is not today's price. Well, like if you make an yeah. offer, but then the other team counters, and then you can't like there's a point where right. you are now in the negotiation. And while, yes, you can walk away, you're not going to unless you were never serious to begin with. Like if you really wanted this player, you're going to act. Now, maybe another opportunity comes along that pulls you away from some. And certainly the Lakers have a track record of that with, uh, you know, a negotiation with Buddy Heald on the finish line where they're like told the Kings apparently that we have a deal. <laughs> we just need Trez to opt in. And even, you know, this kind of feeds into what you're talking about, where it's like they had the delay. They couldn't just say yes because they just had to wait for a clerical thing from a player to just send paperwork to the to the league. And in that window, 
they ended up doing the Rust deal. So we're not even talking about something like just filing a piece of paper or whatever it is, you know, electronic, whatever. But it, we're talking about like AD day to day, you know, he's going to start jumping if he hasn't already. And the next, you know, the day he starts jumping isn't even the day because then you got to wait till the next day. How's the foot? Okay, it's fine. Now you're going to start doing some X, Y, and whatever. They're not at that point. So they're not even at the Trez point where it's just filing paperwork. They're at like a week or two or three away. So that's, that's as best I can kind of reasonably explain why, yes, there's the frustration. And I, I'll say that your frustration is shared. Like I've talked to, like I have a friend with a team who's like, I just don't get it. Why do teams, like, why do they make us wait? Like, we'll do this deal. Like, come on, let's, you know, we want to do this. We're ready to do it. We just can't get them to commit. This is from last year. And they ended up making a deal. And I, I didn't like their deal, but they made it. And um, it, I'm, I'm just, you know, it's hard to, you know, have this conversation in a way that that person is, you know, I could sit down and have like, okay, I'll have a, a tutoring session with you and explain it. But, I, you know, not everyone's open to like learning. <laughs> they just want right. to like no, I, teach it's, about it. It's, I, understand, like, I, I, I understand the dynamics at play. I just think it's dumb. It's my point. Um, so, so Charlie, uh, who is, uh, oh, come on, come on back up, Charlie. Um, I, uh, frequent caller who I might as well make the co-host. Of the pod. Uh, <laughs> Charlie has, ha, has been waiting very patiently with the question. Uh, how are you doing today? Good, Seth. Whenever you're ready, man, I'm ready to. No, no, please fire away. Me. Fire away. Um, no, I meant as a co-host. Oh, as a co-host. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so to a few years ago, I'm sure both of you heard this at the time, but Brian Windhorst proposed a sort of soccer style, like loan system. And one of his main points was that the type of players that you, you guys were talking about earlier, who, you know, could be in play, playoff rotations, but deals don't, you know, they don't get done. And then they're kind of left to languish um, by their lottery teams who sit them because they want the extra balls and stuff. And I'm not sure exactly how it would look, but, like, is there any feasibility to some kind of, like, white flag post-deadline, you know, the, the tanking team sort of have to declare, like, yep, we're tanking, and um, there's some kind of, like, unprotected almost expansion draft for their, you know, veterans who, you know, could theoretically help playoff teams? Uh, I'll say, first of all, I, I didn't hear uh, specifically Windhorse, you know, Wendy say all that, but that's certainly – an interesting idea. And it's like one of those things that I think Adam Silver is very progressive about new ideas, not saying necessarily they'll implement new ideas, but like, he's not like, let's just do things the way that we've always do things. Cause this is how we do things. Let's try new things. Like they're trying out the target score ending, the, what people call the Elam ending. Like they're trying that out in the G league in some circumstances. So from the point of view of like, I could see Adam Silver discussing it, but that's a negotiable thing that would have to be cleared with the players union. So to me, that's not a policy issue on the NBA side. That would be collectively bargained because, you know, you're relocating a player temporarily. And so to do so, you would need to have permission. Uh, you know, fundamentally agreed to by the players union in a CBA. So we are right. at a CBA negotiation right now. Could that be added? I would say, you know, sure. Theoretically, I've heard no one speak of it. And I've talked to a lot of people about like where things are. Things are kind of held up right now in, in owners wanting a hard cap. They're not calling it a hard cap, but it is a hard cap what they're asking for. And that's sort of 
a dead end and negotiations stall until that hurdle is cleared. Once that hurdle is cleared, then they'll, you know, they'll agree on whatever the system is and it could theoretically be added. I think it's an interesting idea. I don't think it's going to happen because I haven't, you know, I don't think it's like front burner. I feel like that would have been, it would have been mentioned. Like at some point, Adam would have had a press conference. He just had a press conference in Mexico City, you know, before a game there. Um, and an exhibition game. Well, it was a real game, but whatever. Um, and it was, you know, no mention of that, but he touched on some other kind of issues, kind of stuff that might be in the CBA. So uh, it's a good idea. You know, I, I don't know if Windows came up with it or, you know, wherever the sourcing of it, it's certainly something you can argue makes sense of like, you have some teams who are no longer in contention and they sort of indicate, you know, okay, we are, you know, out of, but it kind of also, like how many teams would even do that right now? And when would you do that? Because that kind of goes back to our conversation of everybody's sort of in the play-in still. So we only have right now four or five teams, given that Charlotte is stubborn and Orlando stubborn, you know, it's maybe three teams that are like, okay, we're not really trying to compete right now. So it's an interesting topic. Yeah. I appreciate the so question. I'm, I'm 90% certain that, 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 like the the player has to in a loan situation has to also agree. You can't just say, "I you can't just I'm banishing you. We're banishing you to to you know the Rockets." Um, it, it's not quite the same thing as like a, a G League assignment. But I, I interesting that you you mentioned the Hornets because the 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 other part of this is, and this is really where how the loan system tends to be used a lot by kind of quote unquote bigger clubs in, in soccer would be a team that's good that has young players they want to make sure get playing time so um the warriors would loan you know to 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 you know like james wiseman to the hornets in exchange for um you know a you know player you know who's it pj washington i don't know coming back or something like that or that would be i think that that would be an interesting kind of arrangement but i but there are some obvious, you know, issues there, not least of which is like, you know, to not to go like, you know, not to make a meme out of uh, Wendy again. But why would they do that? Uh, <laughs> um, so but I think that's a, that's an interesting idea. And um, I, I mean, I think it touches on a few different areas where I don't want to say the NBA is deficient, but the structure of the NBA makes it hard to get like those young players meaningful minutes as well as this kind of, you know, the for as as many good things as the plan has brought, this kind of several months of stasis is is maybe not among them. Um, so yeah, I, it's an interesting idea, and 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 certainly, but I but as, as you as you suggest, Eric, I think the 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 complexity and the, and the, just the, the different structure of how player movement works in the sport probably presents too big an obstacle. Yeah. I mean, talk about, you know, if, if the plans already put a chill on the trade market, that would be like, you know, quenching any trade market. Cause it's like, why would you trade away assets? Significant assets if you could do something short term and just sort of, um, borrow players, you know what I mean? Then you're not making, you know, like the warriors potentially face like the decision of, do we need to trade some of these young guys to become what we can become, right? That's something that, you know, Seth, you and I have talked about, certainly. Um, but they wouldn't have to make that decision in this reality where it was like they could just loan them. Right. And, but, again, we're, 
they're trying to figure out whether or not we're going to have a CBA at all, let alone this particular issue, which I, you know, like I said, I haven't heard anything about it. Um, it's certainly a, a fun topic to kind of dig into. I could probably spend hours trying to like, think through what that would mean. Sure. Um, I want to just, you know, um, finish off on, on, you know, we understand what the, uh, the, like what the impasse we're at is, but who you think some of the, the, the difference makers most likely to move and what some destinations might right. be. I mean, we, we, you know, we mentioned, I think we've mentioned most of the players that, that are going to get, get talked about, like, you know, not, without asking for like a, a, you know, a force ranking, um, which of those guys do you think are more or less likely to end up moving between, you know, Collins and Crowder and Kuzma and, and the other, the other guys that, you know, the, the Raptors guys and, and whoever else we've, we've kind of talked right. around. I would say that like the most likely is Crowder. It's just a matter of finding the price that whoever comes up with the best offer, cause he's leaving the Suns. He's not returning. Right. So there's a point where they're paying him on their books and paying tax for a player that they didn't get any value from, that doesn't add up. Now they are in a transitional state with ownership, et cetera, et cetera. So, you know, I wouldn't put anything past them where nothing happens, but that they're also like struggling. You know, they're, they've, they've lost four in a row. They're right now they're a playing team. Like they also need to improve. So to me, Crowder's the guy, but beyond that, like the challenge with Collins is that like, it's a commit. You know what I mean? It's he's a lot. He's not like Crowder, who is an expiring. Uh, if you get John Collins, you're basically getting someone for three more years, assuming he doesn't opt out at about twenty five ish million in that range. And that's good and bad. It's good for some and bad for others. And for a team like Indiana, not saying that that's where he goes. That's the kind of team that likes to get guys on multiple years because they're not a free agent destination. So trade is sort of how they – that's their free agency is basically trade, right? So Collins is definitely available. The Hawks are definitely in flux. Where he ends up, I don't know, but I can say that he's higher. But for some teams, he's a non-starter also just based on the money. Um, but, like, you go team by team. Like, the Celtics, I don't think they play anyone they acquire. The Bucks are a crowder, like maybe a big wing defender away. The Nets are probably just going to play out what they have and see what happens. I don't know who the Cavs would get, you know what I mean? Because they're just, they're already pretty well set. The Sixers are a team that could add. I don't know exactly where. I think they're a team that's looking to buy. The Knicks are kind of the Knicks, you know, who knows. The Heat are a, an interested buyer in the right situation. They just don't have a ton to sell to make the a deal work, you know, like Duncan Robinson doesn't really... Interest right. a lot of people. I, I don't think that's that's. I think that's salary, not actual value in any deal, right. And, right. and probably negative value in any deal. Right. So that becomes like, how do the Heat add if they're not subtracting money? Because you know you have to match salary, and they don't. They also are right at the tax. They're like two hundred thousand under, uh, which is as close as you're going to get. Roughly, I think there's one team that's the Blazers are actually closer. But like, if they're not trading Kyle Lowry who only has a limited market anyway, based on his age and another year, almost 30 million. Like they're not trading Jimmy and Bam. And like that immediately you're down to like Oladipo, who's at like 8 million or 9 million, who can also block a trade, who is also part of their rotation. Like Caleb Martin, like at some point you have, you're not sending out hero. So 
basically we get down to like Dwayne Dedman. And so like, yeah, like could they trade Oladipo and Dedman? But like that's where you start to get into the weeds of like it's hard to make trades because you got to match the salary too. So like if you want to like them getting like a John Collins wouldn't work because unless someone's taking Duncan Robinson. Um, and then like Atlanta is more – I feel like Atlanta's both a buyer and a seller, but I, I don't even – very hard to pick. Uh, Bulls are probably just going to accept their fate, whatever that ends up being. I think I'm skeptical at this point they'll sell. Skeptical still that Kuzma is dealt. I think there's definitely interest, and I could see like Rui being traded, Rui Hachimura, but I think that Kuzma is still a, a – that's a team to watch. If there's one to really keep a close eye on, it's Toronto. I think they're like – if there's like I said earlier, if there's a team that could – uh, you know, a, a, a front office that could absorb this kind of hit as far as like transitioning from, you know, championship and playoffs to, you know, rebuilding ish. Um, Cause they already have a core piece um, in Scotty Barnes that I think they, you know, they could survive that. Um, and then of course, you know, magic could trade off a piece or two. And then, you know, like Denver, same thing. I don't see Denver making a big move. Grizzlies, Pelicans, the Mavericks are trying to make a move. Yes. I could see them going after quite a few. But they don't have uh, anything to offer. Well, you know, yes and no. Uh, it's similar to the Lakers. It's like they don't have player value to offer, but they do have their own 27 and 29 firsts. You know, you, can, you can't trade two firsts in a row, future firsts. So, they, you know, they're in that same kind of boat. And, like, would I suggest to that team it's a good decision to trade firsts after Luca's contract is over and you have no one on the books? No, it's probably not. But does that mean they won't? You know, like, they got to think, how do we keep Luca happy and – you know, Although, so like there's a little bit of there's a little bit of uh, moral, moral hazard there because uh, I mean uh, if we assume for a second that that Mark Cuban wasn't the one actually making the decision there, um, but it's like well if Luca leaves I probably don't have this job anymore so what do I care? Right, and he he is he is the decision maker on that team. Yeah. It's not like um, you know for instance um, Troy Weaver is the decision maker, but he has to answer to ownership. Right. Whereas Mark Cuban is the decision maker, and yes, Nico um, Harrison is the GM, but he's he's basically doing Mark's bidding, and I, I don't mean that in any way as a criticism or a flaw. Uh, that's not slighting him in the least. It's just how the structure of that team operates. I think the Kings would make an opportunistic move, the Clippers an opportunistic move, the Blazers an opportunistic move, um, the Suns we talked about, like the Warriors. I you know we could debate whether you know certainly they should make probably make a move or two. To, to up you know up their chances, but I, yeah. don't I mean know that, that that's that's that seems like the like one of the most interesting Kuzma destinations to me. I could see it. I you know I've heard the you know like a lot of Hawks want him. Like there are people who want Kuzma, and yeah, like the Warriors. You could certainly argue like if they're offering um, you know Kuminga and Poole, not Poole Moody. Like you know that. You can argue that's a that's a path you know that makes sense for the Wizards. I don't know that it does though, and that's the thing. Again, people are stubborn, and you know, not criticizing. It's just you know, the Jazz. I don't you know I don't know exactly where they end up, but it's fascinating to watch because they have lost five in a row, but at the same time they're not tanking. The Wolves are kind of a mess. The Lakers are what they are. We talked about, and then you get to the Thunder, who I don't think are a buyer but are opportunistic, and then you have. Spurs and Rockets, who are sellers. And, you know, the Spurs and the Pacers have a lot of money because they're under the floor. I'm actually about to write for that on that on, on Bleacher as soon as we get off um, on what they might do. But um, ultimately, that's kind of the market right now. It's not a ton of names. 
It's not a ton of teams that are really in a great position. Like we mentioned Miami, but they're not in a great position to acquire just based on their salaries. And, you know, the Mavs are in a position, but it's not a great position, but they just need to be in a better position and and have the willingness to trigger something that the other teams don't have. So if they're going after, say, Bogdanovich and are willing, you know, and, and can get off of Bertans and it costs them a 27 first, for instance, is that reasonable? You know, we can debate it, but it's if they're willing to do it, then it is reasonable because it's available. And if the Lakers, because of AD's health, aren't, then, you know, you're going to get a deal from Dallas. Even though they don't have the best offer in a vacuum, they may have the best offer on the table. It's kind of like why the, you know, the Pistons got what they got for Jeremy Grant. Some people said it wasn't enough. Whether it was or wasn't, we could debate. But it's like they tried. You know, people are like, oh, you should have traded him at the deadline beforehand. And they're like, well, we got what we got here is more than what we got in offers at the deadline. You can only get what's being offered, and uh, that's kind of yeah, whether you like, believe that or not is uh, is uh, that's is a whole. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, we really we really screwed that up. We should have done this six months earlier. The only uh, person said, who's said ever no done front that. office ever. No, 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 no. Said Vladi Dijaks. Oh well. He okay. said, like, we had a, we, he's like, you know, well, we, we had a better offer last week, but this is what we ended up with. <laughs> he actually said that. <laughs> well, it's, it's, this, this, this is what was on the table when, when the owner said yes. So, uh, it's, yeah. I, I have a lot of affection for Vladi, who I've, I don't know him well, but I've been around him for really a long time. So he's a very sweet, funny gentleman. I don't know how, I, his run in Sacramento is not going to go down in the history books as a great run, but that quote will, Definitely always be among the best. <laughs> that, that's up there with the uh, that's up there with the Corey Brewer. I just ran out of talent. Yeah, I love that one, and yeah. I say that to myself all the time when someone like <laughs> when I especially watching the Lakers because I watch them a lot in person. You know, at uh, formerly known as Staples Center, and like Russ will miss a layup, or Pat Beverly, or Kendrick Nunn. These are all guys who are sort of struggling, and it's just yeah, yeah, ran out of talent. Sorry, coach, ran out of talent. <laughs> um. You know, I, I I think we're coming up on on about an hour, and I appreciate your time. I I just last thing I just want to, I was I'm surprised you you kind of yada yada over the Pelicans as quickly as you did, um, <laughs> just and just because like if there's a like if there is a team in the NBA that is set up aside from maybe Oklahoma City, given their draft capital, that is more set up to quote unquote overpay but make a deal that's impactful for them. It would be the Pelicans, mm-hmm. just but, to, but, between their draft capital and they, sure. the, the number of young players they have. Um, right, they're they're in a spot where they don't need any more guys. They need top guys because they they're they're getting two hundred forty good minutes a night, but they're not getting two hundred forty second round playoff minutes yet. It's I feel like where they are, and the reason I kind of like glossed over them is that for one, I don't see, you know, like, yes, they can move out of Devontae Graham to save some money. They could move Jackson Hayes because I don't think they're going to keep him. So to me, that's more of like a minor seller than they are an active buyer. So like if they could get a good vet, but like, again, like they're going to play Jonas and Nance and they don't have room for Hernan Gomez in the rotation. They've got Zion when he's healthy. You know, you, Najee Marshall's not bad. Ingram when he's healthy. You got Trey Murphy, who's a solid player. You know, like they don't have enough minutes for Daniels. You know, Herbert Jones is solid. 
and Jose Alvarado and CJ, like, where is anyone going to play? And you could say, well, what if you upgraded into a star? I think they want to see, is this combination enough where paying for a name when they already have that name, in theory, Zion, Ingram, whatever, maybe, you know, maybe they already have the best team in the league from their point of view. Obviously, I don't agree that they would, but they can, you know, from a point of view of like, what's the upside of doing it now versus waiting for like I think the, uh, a playoff opportunity to show like what they can and can't do. That's fair. Is, is the information they need to yeah. say what they really have? Because last year they were you know, bad, got healthy, never got Zion, but got healthy, made the um, you know picked up Alvarado and, and found that and Herbert Jones and found like okay these guys can help, and then they went and said all right you know I, I got CJ. Now we've got a closer and a veteran who can like take our guys over the hump. You got a mid-range, you know, guy in, in, in Ingram who shot also the ball pretty well from three and Zion's Zion. And, you know, now they got Nance. This, you know, it's like that's a team that they're, they may be better than most teams in the West because there is no one in the West that's like, we have this. Like they could get to the conference finals this year. I don't know if that they do, but they might. Like it's not unreasonable to say they're a conference finals team. And if they are, what pushes them over the top might be, might not be trading away depth, but it might be trading away in the summer a bunch of those picks and adding one key guy. And I could see, I just think it's, I think it's premature for them. I don't think they're an all in situation similar to the Grizzlies. Like, who, what more do they need than what they already have? Same with the Celtics, to be honest. Yep. Like, there's just, no one's going to play more than the guys that they already have. And the you know like is Beal available? Is Dame available? I wouldn't want those guys. You know what I mean? Like the names that are usually around 31, 32, Like they already got that guy. That's CJ. So you know, like, were they going to get another one? Are they going to start to go? You know, very quickly you can go in the other direction from being right. this young team that could be something special to being like the Lakers, who are like, yeah, they got a ring, but now they're seeing like. You know, Randall was an all-star. Russell was an all-star. Yeah, they're struggling now, but, like, whatever. Like, Ingram, uh, you, know, you start looking around the league, and the guys that they get, Kuzma, you know, even Caruso, you start going down the list, and it's like they got AD in one title, but they've been really awful since. I mean, yeah, they were okay the next year, but injuries, you know, they limped to the playoffs and then got beat by the Suns. And, you know, if AD was healthy, then sure. But AD, we've been saying that for his whole career, right. even in New Orleans, so – Fine, you've talked me out of the Pelicans trying to make a big splash. You're no fun. Uh, no, that, but but in seriousness, uh, th- th- this was fun, and I appreciate you uh, you taking the time to to come and come and join. Uh, you mentioned you're going to be you know writing about some of the uh, the, the cap floor teams. Anything else uh, coming up that uh, you want to pitch? Um, yeah, I mean, or, or, or? I have I have like I went to the G League showcase and was there for like from a full week, and I took a whole bunch of notes. Two different stories worth of notes. And I said, well, it's really more than that. But I sent it to my editor. We went over it, went over and over it. And we decided we're just not going to just rush it out. We're going to use it to kind of pace. So there's topics like, you know, the ELIM ending, which they call the target score ending, uh, some of the potential CBA negotiations, um, you know, like just in general, like rule changes with the NBA that could you know, what kind of impact. And then also, you know, we can, teams can start signing in 10 days now. So 
we have the date where people are if they be guaranteed. There's all kinds of things I got to write about. But then there's also just like a lot of what we discuss, like spell out for the audience, you know, what's the state of the market? What's the buzz? You know, I have some things that I, you know, are gossipy, you know, ag aggregation material, which is not my favorite thing. But it's, you know, I know Bleacher certainly appreciates that sort of thing. I try not to be too rumory and too gossipy, but, you know, I'd like to kind of set the stage of what I'm hearing, you know, because I have the privilege of having done this for long enough that I know a lot of people with a lot of different teams and, and agents and players and et cetera, et cetera. So, you know, I have at least what I feel to be a reasonable temperature on what's going on. So I like to kind of share that with the audience. And, and so I'll probably write on all that kind of stuff. They have me writing two articles by 7.30 p.m. and it's uh, 4.30. Oh. So, yeah. well, I, well, in that case, I will, uh, I will let, you, let, let you get back to the keyboard. Uh, and uh, uh, I think start. I mean, I've been working all day on other stuff, so I, <laughs> yeah, I haven't started writing, but it's all in my head. So, all right. Well, well, I'll, I will let you get. I will let you get going on that. Uh, Eric Pinkus of, of Bleacher Report. Th thanks so much for joining me. And thanks, folks, for listening. I think I will be back, uh, hopefully, over the weekend, trying to get John Krasinski of uh, the Athletic to come and we talk about the Wolves. I have. Uh, I think it, I should have it coming out tomorrow. I have a, a look at. Uh, at the athletic myself looking at uh um just a little bit of a statistical dive into rudy gobert's season um it's it's um i don't know it's 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 sorted but interesting so anyway take a look for that and hopefully talk to you all again soon thanks for listening take care